following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. The Pasuk begins, the Pasuk right before this says uh, they, they were, bar- it just really mentions the barrenness of Rebecca. But again, there are those that understand from this, from the verse, that both of them were barren. Um, so then it goes on to say they prayed. Um, he was in one corner, he was they're both praying. And uh, as a result of the prayer, it seems uh, she got pregnant. Okay? Now. Where does it say opposite? Um, Linochach. Yeah, what did, I didn't understand that. The nochach ishto, I almost thought it was for her sake. It's not. Uh, all the translations I've seen say that, but Shelley has a, a lot of translations. Maybe you can look it up. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, it says he was in one corner, she was in the other corner. Um, I wonder if she could be right now. Over that time, they figure out how you do it. See, Linocha. Yes. Oh, wait, I just, I just put it with a vowel. Just a little digression. There's a great book called The Seeds of Life, which describes how human beings figured out how you have kids and where they come from. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing. So now the next verse. So it says, okay, so she got pregnant. Okay, then it goes on to say if uh, some type of struggle was taking place, by children, you use it plural. Um, even though at this point she did not seem to understand that she was pregnant with twins, yet she they didn't have uh, sonograms in those days. Um, and she said, um, What do I need this for? As most women say when they get pregnant, what do I need? Right, so um, she was having not a good day, um, and uh, there was problems. So, she, so there's different interpretations. First she went, she asked other pregnant women, is this normal? Some of them said yes, some of them said not. Um, and then she decided to, in the language of the verse, a very interesting, she went to inquire of God. Now, how do you inquire of God? So that's a different opinion. Right. Some might say go to the doctor. Can, can I ask, yes. I'm sorry, I'm asking another Please. language question, the first pasuk. It says, and the Lord accepted his prayer which obviously oh. has a sexist yes. kind of thing. No question. But it says here, it's it disgusting. doesn't say yes, that in the language again. That's a, um, a creative translation. So, vaye ater. Lo. Right, so vaye ater means, and he pleaded, right? And he pleaded, so vaye ater lo, so he pleaded to him, maybe to God. Maybe Yitzchak pleaded to God. You could, mm-hmm. in, you could easily interpret that. But it doesn't say the opposite of, and God listened to him. Okay, it so just again, says that Yitzhak pleaded. 100 percent. This is all midrashic, based on midrashic interpretation. Okay, I just wanted the, the two most important points that are talked about in the first pasuk are the. Yeah, we're not addressing that's not a topic today, but they're good, very important. Both points. of them, yes. I would just question the actual <laughs> translation. Okay. Uh, always, that's a very important thing. Ron is mentioning always question a translation. That's why I tell people learn Hebrew. And learn in the original, not in the not in the Latin original, in the Hebrew original, um, because it's very important. Man, you bring up a very good point. Translations are never to be accepted. Amen. Very, very important. That's what we're reading. Yeah, yeah. Good okay. writing. So, no, it's, mis- it's art scroll. Come on now. <laughs> it agrees with you, so forget it. If you, oh, you it know. does. Well, then it's art scroll. Then it so now again. Agrees with you. The question oh, in the in the second verse is. Judge. 
question in the second verse is, so what does it mean, um, first, first of all, exactly what transpired, what pains she was having, um, etc. And then it says she went to acquire of God. Now exactly what that means, a simple interpretation. Um, again, the literal translation would be Lidrosh Hashem, to inquire of Hashem. The uh, uh, different interpretations could mean either she went, you, you think she would have gone to pray. That's the way you inquire of God. But um, the Madrash written by rabbis says she went to talk to rabbis. Wasn't the rabbis in those days? That's a small side historical point. Um, but uh, the the uh, the medrash interprets that she went to the yeshiva of Shem and Aver. <coughs> Shem and Aver, as we know, they weren't Jewish. Um, they were the sons of Noah. Noah. Okay, Shem was Noah's son, who was the grandfather of of all these people, and they had a yeshiva. Actually, if you ever visit Tzfat, um, they supposedly claim where the yeshiva is on the main street on Tzfat, on top of a pizza shop. Um, and, uh, and what did they teach there? Oh, so that's a lot of discussion, exactly what they were studying, but there was the seven Ohio laws at this point. So the, the, the discussion, the Medrash explains, they were, Medrash asked this question, were they, like, the Medrash itself actually asked the question, was there a yeshiva in those days? It doesn't make any sense. Medrash says that they was, Shem and Aver has established the yeshiva to study the seven Ohio laws. And, uh, Not the Torah. There was no Torah. Torah That's didn't my exist. Question. Yes, Torah yeah, didn't exist. But the Noahide laws were given to Noah when he left. Torah and he was, except he left the ark at the time, received the Noahide laws, and he then spent his life studying. So Yitzchak didn't know the Torah at all. What does that mean? The, the oh. studying. Oh, that's a different issue. It says that there's a different uh, Gemara that states that the the forefathers and foremothers did observe all of Torah, yeah. even rabbinical law. Um, and and this the, is the whole vort uh, that we, we read. That's questionable how they knew that and whatever. And but this yeshiva were, was dedicated they were gonna to. They're going to go to Egypt for 400 seven, years, but they instead yeah. let him go. So anyway, this yeshiva was dedicated to Noah Law, but they were the scholars of the time. And therefore, um, so it says Rifka went to find out what's going on. And she realized there was something um, spiritual, it wasn't just a physical. Obviously, first, again, she went to her neighbors and said, Is this what pregnancy is about? And they said, No. Um, so therefore, she then realized there's something more going on. That's true. Um, I don't know if they were Democrat or Republican. Is this uh, the first recorded case of twins in the Bible? No. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, no. Well, Yehuda yeah. and yeah. Tamar have yeah. twins later on. But um, there's a question. No, as far as I know, in the Bible, yes. In the Bible, Medra yeah. Medrash might have a lot of uh, extra siblings along the way before this, but, but in, the, in the Torah itself, yes. But you wonder if they were even familiar with the concept of twins. Presumably they were, but still. I'm assuming people have twins. I mean, it didn't well, we have twins. We understand yeah. twins now, but until somebody has them the first Anyway, time. okay, so what was this? Vayis wrote it to Abana Mekirba, so there's a lot of discussion exactly what was going on. Um, so first of all, they answer her in the yeshiva. Shame it doesn't say that, but it says, Vayom Hashem, interestingly enough, they're calling it, sort of speaking in the name of God. Torah is calling that... Their answer to her was in the name of God, according to that medrash that she was speaking to shame. Um, there are two nations in your womb. And two um, kingdoms will separate from your innards. And will become mightier than the other. One will become mightier than the other, and the elder will serve the younger. And we're not going to get into all that, Rome and, and Israel, whatever it is. Okay, and then it says, When it came time, her term to give birth, she had twins. 
Okay, so in fulfillment of what the rabbis told her without um, doing a sign of it. So, so in any case, the, there's a lot of discussion. We're not going to get into all the medrashim about, um, you know, it says that Asa, every time she passed a Beit Avodazara, this is the medrash, famous medrash that Rashi quotes, Asaph tried to come out when she passed a place of holiness. Jacob tried to come out. So there's a lot of discussion about that. Um, but the interesting note, and this is my segue to get onto the topic so that we'd like to discuss. What? Where did she give birth that Asaph came out first? Um, I'm assuming it was a home natural birth. Wasn't okay. that some idol place, some idolatry, place of idolatry? What? You said Asaph came out first, and you said he would try mm-hmm. to get out first a place. No, no, no. he would just, it was a constant yeah. struggle. Again, the, the Torah just says there was a struggle within her. What does that mean? Not clear. So you have Midrashic interpretations, you have practical interpretations. We're going to focus on the practical today, not the Midrash. Um, so the practical, twins, believe it or not. You know, the yeah. first uh, skeleton of a twin, of twins being born, was a, in a 7,700-year-old woman that died 7,700 years ago mm-hmm. uh, because she died in childbirth and both babies were found in her mm-hmm. remains still. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this time there so clearly was. That doesn't mean knew with that. <coughs> no, no, it's just a first recorded archaeologic record. One in 80 births. What's that? One in 80 births. Yeah, but, uh, oh, but I'm saying when the Jewish religion started, the concept of twins was known. True. Yeah. Yes. And well, so this book, it's called Studies in the Weekly Parasha, which actually, it's a five-volume set, which I believe, Ron, you bought me once as a gift. I think so. Thank you. That was very nice, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. still use it. That's why I brought it today, and I'd like to quote from it. I'm mad. And hopefully you, you won't argue with the book that you bought. Of course I will. What do you mean? That was weird this morning. Uh, so so in, in the book that Ron bought me, it says like this. It's gifted me. Um, maybe he wanted to get rid of it. Yet. So he, it says somewhere, if I can find it. It discusses, well, one of the opinions brings various opinions as to what the struggle was. So, so some, it's interestingly enough, the Rishonim discuss whether they were in one embryonic sac or two. Um, the two, I don't know what's the norm. I'm assuming twins are in separate two. embryonic sac. Two? Right, two separate ones. So according to one opinion, it actually says they were, and the, the struggle was that they were in one embryonic sac and they were being formed as conjoined twins. And they were struggling to separate because they didn't want to be uh, together, so to speak. That's the non-admirable you can do. That makes them identical twins, not one redhead and one bald. Good point, very good point. But uh, we're just using this as a jumping point for the topic of conjoined twins. So enough said, but that's uh, one opinion in this, in that he quotes here. It was, he couldn't find the source inside, by the way, where he quotes. Actually, I looked in the book that he's quoting and it's not there, so... Interestingly enough, which I believe he quotes the tour um, to say that, and then uh, he's saying initially they were they were connected, and their struggle was to separate. That's basically what this opinion is, is understanding in the struggle that was taking place here. Um, not like the measures that says they were trying to get out of that. Right. So well, you know, the, even if they weren't physically connected, they were psychologically connected. Uh, really, well, until brothers, until they met, you know, uh, later on in life. I mean, they were just angry with each other, and people angry with each other are connected with. Yeah, them. but I'm saying there is a discussion about whether could they already be angry in the womb. It's possible well, to have an emotional conflict. Mm-hmm. Yes, from the medrash. Yes, clearly. In any case, so so we're we're just going to move on from the moment. 
and I wanted to discuss, we discussed this in, I believe, 2002, the last time, or, um, so I think it's time for a rediscussion. Um, and we didn't address many of these issues that, um, so, so there's, a, there's, when you're dealing with conjoined twins, there's obviously many uh, halachic issues, and of course moral issues, as we'll see, ethical questions involved. Um, so I just wanted to discuss some of the, the, obviously there's the issue of separation, and if you could only save one of them, and do you, can you do surgery to separate twins when you're only going to, only one will survive the surgery. So you're basically killing one to save the life of the other. So that, we'll get to that probably not this week. That's, that is the most important discussion. But I would like to first discuss um, some other minor issues compared to that one, just relevant to halacha, to show you how many impl moral implications, and again, halachic implications, legal, not only in halacha, obviously in any legal system. Um, some of them are only relevant to Judaism. So, so we're going to see some, uh, interestingly enough, some original sources um, in the Talmud that do discuss, seem to be discussing conjoined twins. Okay, as you know, you're no longer allowed to say Siamese twins because you can lose your job. Um, <laughs> it's no longer politically correct to say that. Although I've never met a Siamese person Where they from Siam. Have you been to Siam? Thailand, yeah. That's what Siam is. Isn't that Thailand? Yeah, I think it's Thailand. Right, so I don't know what, what the, the original. You're not allowed to play the king and I, by the way. Oh, yeah. Not allowed. No. The king forbade it. So there are many issues here. We're going to go through the list here. One of the, the, the first issue that's actually discussed in the Talmud is number one and two here, which is the issue of Tefillin and Pidyon Aben. So there's a Gemara in Menachot. Turn the page over. It should be there somewhere. Um, by the way, just interestingly enough, and we quoted this before, the original uh, conjoined twins, you asked about is there twins before this in the Bible, were actually Adam and Eve, because, yeah. um, and it's a very important verse, it's not just a nice historical uh, medrash, um, because, the, the, again, the Talmud brings two opinions as to how Adam and Eve were created. According to one, they were actually created as a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Hermaphrodite. No, it wasn't. Androgynous means they're not sure. They actually were, they had both. Uh, what's the word for both Good genitalia? Girl, yeah. Male and female genitalia. Um, am I for that? No. Uh, whatever. Um, whatever, one of those um, terms which I'm not familiar with. So, so meaning they had the actual original creation, according to one opinion in the Gemara, is Adam and Eve were created as one person, one human, who one side was male, one side was female. Okay, and then God separated them, and then mm, just really separated Adam and Eve, and that's, we mentioned this a few weeks back, and a that's few different classes, that's why men and women are created equally. He specifically didn't know that matter, so no one can claim that men, a man was created first, first right. Adam. So the whole story of the rib was a myth, according to um, that opinion in the Talmud. That whole story right. doesn't exist. Eve was not created from a rib. Adam and Eve were created equally at the same time. That's a very important mm -hmm. concept, but more importantly, relevant to our, not coffee, but more importantly, but relevant to our topic today, so they want to bring, some want to say that was the first set of conjoined twins, technically speaking, because you had two human beings attached dorsally, um, and then they were separated by God. God performed the first uh, conjoined twin surgery. Now, if you look at the verse, and that's what this verse is saying here, let me quote here on the top. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Because yeah. the key question, as we're going to see from most of the topics that we're going to discuss, relevant to conjoined twins, most of the ethical questions are, are they do we consider them one or two people? 
and how do you define that if they share one heart if they share one brain if they share um, one if they're completely conjoined you know what defines them as two people how do we define a person is it the heart is it the brain is it the nervous system um, there's many many interesting questions so so here you see according to this the Torah is say, calling he created this one person this one human being male and female and then it says he created them in the plural so God himself is referring to them as two human beings even in their conjoined state so this might be the first proof text to show that conjoined twins are considered two distinct human beings you hear it Ron? yep I do hear it okay, I'm so not sure about the translation of that first pursuit That's always check the translation that's like I said okay so now so then you have I'm going to move on to this fascinating Gemara which seems to deny the, the, the concept of conjoined twins initially, that they exist, but then ends up discussing it. So it's, um, it's in Tracte Menachot. And Presumably referred to them as them. They were two complete human beings. They weren't sharing. Uh, they were complete. When they yeah, were they had different genitalia. Had technically, I'm assuming, different everything. God mm -hmm. just split them down the back, and then he created a back for them, for both of them. Good. But they weren't share. Presumably, they weren't sharing a heart. No. For example. They're not sharing. That has happened. Right. Yes, that's the assumption. Missing the track that they need. Is this the only Talmud here? Yep. Someone uh, stole a volume. Or maybe the rabbi has it. Oh, is he do that film? Is actually his that film Um, I'm not sure, but he, I don't know. Okay, oh, please, sorry. Okay, so uh, the, the track that's discussing like this, it's in the context of Pidyona Ben. Pidyona Ben, as you know, is the redemption of the firstborn, when a firstborn child um, is born, a male child, it has to be, it really belongs to the Kohen, and you have to redeem it um, by giving five shkalim, the biblical commandment um, in the Torah. So in the context of that discussion, someone co walks into the Beit Midrash and says, well actually the discussion really is about tefillin. This tract deals with tefillin extensively. So let's see how it begins here. So in the context, someone walks in and says, what happens actually if you have a two-headed person? Um, which head do they put their tefillin on? That was the question posed to the rabbi. It's a very important question. They share. Um, what? I said they share. They share? It goes around both heads. Mm -hmm. That might be one option, but they sort of constrain their heads. They couldn't shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but does it have to be between the eyes? Between which set yes, of eyes? Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, good. <coughs> it sounds like this. So, um, so the Gemara says, and it's on your page, it's the second paragraph, number two on the on the sheet. Thomas says like this, Bai mine plimi me rebi. Plimi, um, the questioned rebi on this question. Mishi yeshlo shnei roshim, someone who has two heads. Be'eze mehan maniach tefillin. Yeah, do you have a... Oh, okay, good. It's in English, English. I'm just reading the air like reading it. Um, which head shall he place his tefillin? 
So his, the response, the rabbi was not happy with this question. Rabbis are not happy with tough questions sometimes. Um, and he's, he basically said, Omalei okum gli, either um, reveal yourself, get out, uh, yeah, they translate that here, how do you, how do you translate it on the page? Kum gli means get up and... Uh, Go into exiles with this. Get out of my face. Mm-hmm. Right, get out of my face, or... Okibol or get, uh, we're going to excommunicate you. Don't ask... Don't ask uh, stupid questions like that in the rabbis. Um, so in the time of the Talmud, there were stupid questions. Or stupid rabbis. In the story. Well, what are you saying? I mean, I'm always told there are no stupid questions. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just, he's not saying that. Yeah, no, I'm saying, no, no, I'm not, I'm, well, no, he didn't say it's a stupid question. He's just saying he was just upset at him for asking the question. Doesn't mean he's stupid, maybe. He, he Meaning... The assumption, the way there's a lot of actually there's a lot of discussion on how to understand what his issue was, because like you're saying, we shouldn't. Someone asks a question, I, we always say there are no <coughs> questions. That's what we're trained to say, at least in rabbinical school. Um, so, so the what exactly was his problem? Meaning, so one thing would say, meaning that he never heard of the concept of conjoined twins, therefore it didn't exist. So it's we don't we like in Torah to study practical questions, not theoretical questions. Um, that's part of our goal, in a certain sense. So this was, uh, don't ask me theoretically, you know, what if, as uh, the nice Yiddish expression, you know, we say, what if, like, what if, if your mother, if your grandmother had a beard, she'd be your grandfather. Well, that's not, a, you know, it's not relevant. She doesn't have a beard, so she's not, so don't ask me questions. Your grandmother had beard. be a bus. <laughs> okay, so, I don't say that in Yiddish. There's no word for bus in English. Um, okay, so, so, so again, so exactly what the question was, maybe we'll get back to that in a second, what, what he was bothered by. And either way, because as you'll see, because at the end of the day, a guy came in and it was a practical case. So clearly it did exist, so that's, that's what's strange to say that he was just theoretical when five minutes later a two-headed person or a father who had a two-headed son came in um, in the story. So, so clearly that there's a lot of discussion exactly what the back was over here. So, um, so meanwhile it says, Adahachi, as they're talking, or later on in the discussion, Asa Hugaber, a certain man walks into the base matter, she doesn't mention his name, Amalei, and he says to the uh, to the person, Amalei says to, to Rebbe, meaning to the same rabbi, Is yilidli yunuka disle tre reshi. My wife gave birth to a son who has two heads. Okay, the assumption is a conjoined twin, or some type of demon. And that maybe they were, uh, but but either way, the assumption is it's, it's a case of conjoined twins. So he, and his question was to the rabbi, "Kama bina lemes of the kohen? How much do I have to pay the kohen for pidyon aben? Do I have to give ten shekel in this case, five for each head? Is each head considered a separate child, or do I only have to pay five shekel?" That's a classical Jewish question. Very important money. Um, we need to know. We, we don't want to give away too much money to the kohen. Kama bina lemes of the kohen. So that was his question. So Asahu Sava, so there was a certain elder, again, doesn't mention his name, Tani Lay, and he taught Rebbe as follows, Chayev Litin Lay Eser Slam. Father is obligated to give the Kohen ten slam, meaning, so the Gemara seems to be concluding that it's considered two separate people, and therefore you'd be obligated to give the Kohen two slam. Interestingly enough, it doesn't go back and address the question of the Tefillin. Um, so the assumption is, if we're saying it's two, it's two people as far as, as pertaining to the Pidyan Aben, would be two people who would have to wear two fill-ins. Although, there are those that discuss, 
and as we said, rabbis have a lot of time on their hands, and they don't like discussing theoretical questions, but it's sort of like your tefillin, as we know, we have two arms, but we only, we put tefillin on the weaker arm, on the left arm. Um, if you're a righty, if you're a lefty, you put it on the right arm. So the question here was, some discussed, maybe the question was, which head, even if it's one person, meaning, even if it's two people, but maybe you only put, or well, you put tefillin on the weaker head, so to speak. <laughs> yep. You know, just like you put tefillin on the, on the left arm. So that's a lot of interesting discussion. Is this a case of an old man making a halacha? Because a rabbi, <coughs> it's just an old man saying it. Not in the Hebrew, it's just... What's it say in the Hebrew? It doesn't say old. It says, uh, which part? The last? Asahu yeah, Saba, an elder. Elder, like a grandfather. It's like Saba is a matter of word for grandfather. So the Saba is making um, uh, Yeah, but the, when we say in, in halachic terms, elder means a scholar and a, wi- a wise person. That's like the elders, the city That's elders. That's not unusual. Yeah, I mean, usually we're the, you use the word zaken. Um, Okay. Or Zakan, I don't know, Ron, which one is it? Zakan or Zakan? One's a beard and one's an elder. Zakan is beard. Okay, so Zakan is an elder. Okay, so, now it's interesting, he doesn't mention the names, you're right. He's really not a famous rabbi who's saying this, because otherwise we would mention his name. Um, so Actually, so, he says there on the bottom, the art scroll, says, some say that a certain elder, whenever the term that's used, Asahu Saba, a guy just shows up, gives a halachic answer, it's Elijah the prophet. It brings a tosis in a different tractate that says that. So, but it's not referring to here specifically. But, but it's a, it seems like it's not uncommon to find that term. Where all this elder person showed up. So, in any case, okay. So, so um, the bottom line is, you see here two fa- halachic applications. Again, there's no technically moral implications to this question here. But the question would be basically is how do we view um, this person? Is it two people or one? It would seem like that's the question for both answers here. Again, for tefillin, as far as the tefillin is concerned, as far as um, the the question of pinyin abed. Okay, if if there's two cases, let me just see if I missed anything here. Um, Right, so the the other, so now the, quite getting back to the issue, well, let's first see Tosos actually. Tosos here says an interesting, brings an interesting case in Medrash. Um, so Tosos also, I mean, again, it would seem like the implication here, Rebbe starts off saying that this didn't, didn't really exist. And a guy actually comes in and says, well, I just had a kid like that. So um, clearly proving the rabbi wrong. Tosos also begins, Tosos is a commentary, a medieval commentator, French medieval commentators on the page here, and Tosa says like this, he says, why? he's trying to really explain why the rabbi was upset about the question, he says, in this world this doesn't exist, says Tosa, conjoined twins don't exist, he's never seen it, he lived in France, France everyone is tall, dark and handsome, there's no conjoined twins, okay, Aval, um, but then Tosa goes on to say, and brings a medrash about a case that King Solomon had um, been approached about of conjoined twins, it goes on to say, karka adam echad. That uh, there's a medrash about Ashmadai, which some type of I don't know demon world or whatever. Not sure. Harry Potter. And uh, it says, Hotsu machmas karka adam echad roshim. A person came, uh, brought a person that had two heads in front of King Solomon. It's isha, and he had married someone. The whole and he had children. This two-headed person had. Um, 
Kyotzebel, he had two headed son. Now, what are the chances of a conjoined twin having a conjoined twin? I don't know if there's numbers on that. That's what Tos is saying the case was. So, uh, yeah. No, I mean, I, that's what I was looking at. The earliest says there is in Peru in writings around 300, the year 300. Earliest on Google. But uh, Tos says the earlier there was one with King Salm. So, Tos is Kanagi on Google. Yeah, that's one thing we do a lot, Tos arguing. So, so he says like this, he says, So he had a child who was born with two heads. And then there was another son who had one head. Okay, so, so he had three sons, I mean, two births. His wife gave him one set of conjoined twins, and there was another son. So the question, when the father died, Two-headed father died. The two-headed sons came to King Solomon and said, "We want a double portion of the inheritance because we're two people." That was the assumption in the will. He gave fifty percent to this son, fifty percent to that son, fifty percent to the conjoined twins, fifty percent to the to the regular son. So they wanted two-thirds. They said, "Right, we want a double portion of inheritance because we are two people." And it came in front of the. Um, the court of King Solomon. So King Solomon said, let's split it now. So let's see what the Nautosis ends there. And he's quoting a Medrash Rabbah, but on the side here, they continue the story from the Medrash, if I can find it. Shita um, Mekubetis was a compilation of different um, ter- uh, different commentaries, quotes here. See if I can find it. I did see it at some point. Um, here. Says like this, Nutzachach, meaning another another version of these same events, is quoting from some other commentary. He says Shlomo b'chachmasay, so King Solomon, in his um, wisdom, heated up a cauldron of water. Okay, it sounds kind of cruel today. Probably be loses license, medical license for this. and he covered one of the heads. So there was two heads. His two-headed kids, or uh, the adults at this point came in front of him and he, they were claiming we get two portions with two people. So again, the main, the key question always with conjoined twins is do we view them as two lives, as two separate people, or do we view them as one person? So King Solomon uh, heated up a pot of water, covered one of the heads, and he poured the hot water on the other head, okay, without allowing the, the water to touch head number two. And what happened? Um, both heads scream out. So notice the water, the hot water was only being poured on one head, but both heads started screaming. So it means they clearly shared a central nervous system. Um, and based on that, uh, they're considered one person, they share a central nervous system, only uh, both heads are screaming, therefore they're not considered two people. They need an We only and they only are judged as one person. Meaning they only get one part of the inheritance. That was King Solomon's ruling, according to this story. Well, you share a sensory, sensory nervous system anyway, not a cerebral cortex necessarily. Explain <coughs> yeah. um, that in English. Yeah. You initiate pain reflex in the first head, and it travels to the second head. But if you um, if you ask the first head, what time of day is it, without the second head hearing, you wouldn't expect the second head to answer. It, could, it can um, feel pain, but it doesn't mean it, um, 
it's, it's not capable. I mean, yeah, but I'm saying it means they're sharing that, that part, of a, part, part of a part of a nervous, nervous yes. not, okay. not their entire nervous. it can be mental because you have people that are twins nowadays, and they know what's happening with the other one. It, it, and right. they it's like a good marriage. States. I feel my wife's pain when she's giving birth. I'm in major pain. Um, but I'm just saying, so even there's if they no don't much neurology so take over. Did you take over the pain? Connections. Yes, that's a that's a valid point. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting because the movie that um, <coughs> three identical strangers. Yeah. There's there's another movie called The Twinning Reaction, which is based on the same. Mishigas that was created, but if twins stay together for a certain period of time, <coughs> six months, eight months, it depends, then they <coughs> they have that, that same response. If they're separated at birth or in the first three months. Right, but I'm saying, but if they, they live into it, meaning could they feel the other's pain? That's yeah, in concerned. fact, if they have that twin <coughs> reaction, yes, they're even distance. Uh, Meaning they'll, they'll literally feel pain, or they'll, I mean... They'll, they'll, they'll feel something. Interesting. Okay. <coughs> so come, actually come to the film reading. festival in the spring. We'll show both movies. Yeah. Um, I uh, was reading about a set of conjoined twins in America. I don't remember what year, but they, they actually, was in Wisconsin, I think. They, you know, meaning they, they have two sets, two heads, but when one sees... The other one, no, they, they each have maybe one eye, and they, but they work together. They have two brains and two heads, but the brains are working together, meaning, so for example, when they drive, each side, meaning each brain only controls one side of their body. They have two heads, but they have one, um, one body, they share, I don't know how much of their body, but the point is the other child, so they each side, each half of the brain, each brain and the two heads control different sides, so they drive. Everything they do, they can do together, and it, they work together. So, for example, they took a driving test, although they said Wisconsin made them take two driving tests, um, two separate driving tests, because they because they're two people technically, and they each had to pass separately, whatever that means. So they could only use that one <coughs> hand, I guess. Or, um, now they have two sets of hands, but if they each use one hand on the steering wheel, they they work together. The brains somehow force. So it fits with what you're saying. But even it doesn't necessarily show they share everything. In this case, these twins that I was reading about have two clearly separate brains. And, well, in this case also, technically, but the qu again, the question is how much they're sharing. <coughs> King Solomon, according to the story, ass was assuming if they share part of a central nervous system, then the assumption is they're considered one person. Right. An interesting definition. Seems to contradict the Talmud itself, which is saying they're two people. Automatically, Talmud, off the bat, says, uh, at two least the elder, people. said that they have to give two pidyon abends. To to touch Talmud. Right, that's what I'm saying. It seems to be that Shlomo is disagreeing with the Talmud in the story. Mm -hmm. Okay, and Shlomo was before the Talmud, so yeah, Talmud didn't know the story. Or, um, so so that's in that sense that's what's uh, going on. Just getting back to the reason for the Rebbe's response. So this is I found an article actually from uh, Reichman, the guy we brought in once, cardiologist. Fast Eddie. Eddie Reichman, yes. He's an, Eddie? ER, he's an ER doctor. ER doctor. Okay. He spoke about the heart when he came. Mm -hmm. He did. remember. So anyway, so he discussed. He has an article discussing this, uh, this story here, and he says he brings all the different interpretations of to why the uh, what was Rebbe's response and why he was upset. Let me just see if I, if he says anything important that I missed. Um, 
First of all, he says, as to the historical veracity of the statement, while there were sporadic, rare cases of conjoined twins noted from antiquity onwards, it is quite possible that many areas of the world were indeed unfamiliar with this congenital anomaly until accounts were published and decimated in the medical literature. So while the student's distraction may merit a response, Rebbe's particular response seems more severe than such a common circumstance would dictate. What then compelled Rebbe's extreme rebuke? Commentaries have suggested anatomical homiletic and magical explanations. Um, so he says, interesting thing, this is a, actually an important one because I haven't been studying this now. The, as we know, mo- many cases of conjoined twins, especially if they share um, a heart or any major internal organs, they're not going to live very long without separation surgery. So separation surgery, as we're going to discuss uh, probably next week, is is a major question, not in the sense of just can you separate them to make life easier for them, it's a question, it's a bigger question of usually you have to to save one. If you let them live the way they are, they're going to die within a matter of time because they, they a, let's say, a, a eight ventricle or six, a six ventricle heart usually is not going to support. If they share a heart, even if it's a larger heart, it's not going to support both bodies. Just can't. So they're not going to live for a very long time unless they're separated. So it's not just a question of practicality of not wanting to live together. Um, uh, many times it's, it's a question of actually saving do you, can you, so to speak, kill one to save the other, which we're going to discuss next week. But, but it, what the point is, um, the question here, he says, was, um, this is from a Menasha Klein, suggests that Polimo virtually held, the f- Polimo and Rebbe, what was their argument about, whether this is a good question or not, because Rebbe clearly held it wasn't a practical question, because he said, you're asking about tefillin, the question, the original question was, two heads, do they have to wear two pairs of tefillin? There, it's a trefa. They didn't have the ability, obviously, to separate the twins. Right. So that means this child is never going to make it to bar mitzvah. So you're asking a totally ridiculous how you, question. How do you know? How do I know? Yeah, I, how do I don't you know. He wouldn't make it to bar mitzvah. No, he was. He's saying what know. that was Rebbe's right, Rebbe's opinion. This is not. There's no way this child. He wasn't exclaiming like it's a ridiculous thing. This doesn't exist. He's trying to answer to wiggle out of, like we're saying, like his question. First of all, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Secondly, um, he didn't know the concept of. Of, of conjoined twins, they did exist in the world at the time, not common. So he's he's trying to wiggle out of it by saying, Rebbe's problem with the question was the, by you're asking a ridiculous question because the child's not going to live. Conjoined twins couldn't live very long those days because they couldn't be separate. That's what he's understanding. So it's a trefa, and a trefa is is usually dies within 12 months. Has a din of a trefa, meaning there's missing heart here. Meaning th- no, there's I a. I understand, but yeah. it's all based on his ignorance, just because he didn't know. They're never right, seen not ignorance. Right, there's no, there's it's conjoined twins that are, that share a heart are not going to live or for very long. He knew there was no yes. bar mitzvah conjoined twins ever. Right. So, so he's the, saying based on that, reading, that's why he was saying. From the civil reading, it seems like he has no knowledge of conjoined right, twins. So that's what we're past. trying to check. Exactly. That's what we're trying so to answer. No why knowledge, is he, so? he just has, is ignorant potentially yes. of this? So that's why we're trying to say a different interpretation in the story that it wasn't an issue that he never heard of conjoined twins. His the reason why for his his strong sta- statement about the question was because he was saying it's not practical in the sense of the, the kid's not going to live. Conjoined twins don't live very long. In those because days. of his ignorance. I'm just no, not ignorance. Today also, if you share a heart, they're not going to live unless they separate. That's why they do, you missed the part I was saying, they do no. separation surgery because otherwise they're not going to live for more than I, a year. No, I, Most I, cases they're giving a, their terminal. There is some support internally here because the first question relates to 
if they reach bar mitzvah A's, then they have to put on the film. The second question is the pidyon of Ben, which is just from the virtue they're being born. So right. it, it could imply he did know. One thing's for sure, if they did get three bar mitzvah A's, they probably, the rabbi would know they'd have to play, pay for two kiddushes. So they would have known that. I think it's a, But it's, it's more than that, Ron. It's also, it, there's another aspect there, which is what I want to address, because I happen to be studying this, which is, and we mentioned this a few weeks back, we were discussing the laws of trefa in general for animals. Right, so the laws in the laws of trefa, um, you know what? Um, in the laws of trefa, the I don't know if we discussed this then, but we said like it's all again, it might have changed medically, etc. But in the laws of trefa of animals uh, and humans, the the one of the things that Talmud says is an extra organ is the same as if an organ is missing. Okay. Okay. Meaning, what the, the language is yet there is kinatal dummy. So it means, let's say, obviously, if let's say someone has, uh, I don't know, let's say what would be a case of an organ that was missing, that would be trefa, let's say a heart. So if someone has an extra heart or an extra ventricle in their heart, that is also a trefa. Okay, so it's not just things that are missing or punctured that make something a trefa. Anything that if if that thing was taken away only internal would be, organs. Yeah, only yeah, obviously. Anything that, if that organ was removed would constitute that that animal or human was a, considered a trefa. They're terminally ill. They're not going to live for the next more than 12 months. So the same thing would apply if they have an extra organ of that same organ. That's what the Talmud says. common kidneys. Kidneys, you see that. Right, but kidney is not necessarily a trait. If one kidney is removed, the person could still live. So that's why it's not a trait. Kidney is not. The Talmud says. Right. Talmud understood that. So you're saying if you have like um, extra nipples, which is common. No, no, internal. That's, that's internal. External. That's considered external. No, no. Yeah, of course. I mean, with the, I didn't yeah, know what was internal. Uh, or yeah, external. internal meaning a, a it means a, an or a vital extra. organ. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean you have an extra finger. It means a vital organ, a vital organ, which means an, an internal yeah. organ that you can't live without. That's definition so of trait. If you have a third kidney... No, so I just said kidney is not is is not considered a trait for the Talmud. Said. The Talmud understood already you can live if a kidney is removed. Talmud so understood. that is an internal organ but is the exception to the rule? Yes. No, no again, the rule is the rule a vital organ. That would make sense. The, the rule is a vital kidneys. organ. The kidney is not vital in the sense that you, you could not have a kidney and still live because you have two kidneys. Okay? So therefore an extra kidney is not a problem. So you have an extra lobe of the liver... No, liver, since it regenerates, and Talmud says that and understood that then, it's also not a trefa. If the whole liver is... another exception. Again, it's not an exception. I'm looking at the extra. The definition... uh, Yeah, if you have an extra lung, that would be... That would be considered a trefa. But you like have two kidneys, you have two lungs. You could take out one lung and live. They didn't uh, know that. I don't know. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm telling they you, you can. Okay. Okay. Um, but they didn't know. They just didn't know. They knew that about the kidney. I, I don't know. I don't know about the lungs. I haven't, I haven't learned lungs yet. But when I get to it, I can let you know. No, I mean, it's true. But, okay, so they just didn't So the know. point is, as relevant to us, he's saying that trefa, meaning the, the way that uh, Menashe Klein is interpreting the Gemara, the reason why Rebbe had a problem, or the argument, you could say, between... Rebbe and Polimo, this other fellow who was addressing the issue, and Rebbe did not want to address the issue, because Rebbe understood, um, he said, I'll just read it to you quickly, he says here, Trefa is, is a person or animal that has terminal condition with a prognosis of less than 12 months. Most rabbinic authorities maintain that if a designated Trefa does in fact live longer than 12 months, as we discussed a few weeks back when we discussed the contradiction between science and Torah, <coughs> the original Trefa designation was clearly invalid. The only possible exception is the category termed Yeter, 
um, regarding which which he accepted legal principles that kol yeter kinatodam additional dupl duplicate organs are considered as if removed or absent, rendering a trefa. It means if that organ would be removed, it was a trefa. So if there's a duplicate organ, now it's it's also a trefa. According to Rajba, trefot in the yeter category are able to survive longer than the 12-month period, but they're nevertheless considered to have full legal status of a trefa, even though technically they could live longer than 12 months. So let's say what he's saying is in this case, let's say there was, if he was considered one person, it's two and they had two hearts, so that would deem this child a trefa, even if it was going to live longer than 12 months. Um, others disagree and maintain that the yeter category is no different than other trefa categories without getting into all the details. So the point being is, according to all opinions, Rabbi Klein explains, a two-headed person would fall into the trefa category of yeter. Polimo, in the forgetting about the heart, he's saying just the two heads would make that person a trefa. Extra brain, because the brain's removed, the person can't live. So therefore, an and extra brain... Two people. So that's the question. So that's what he's going to say. Polimo, in accordance with Rajma's understanding, maintained that it's possible for one in the yeter category to live longer than 12 months while still being considered a trefa. It was therefore appropriate for him to ask about tefillin, a law that would apply only to the child when he reached 13 years of age. Rebbe, however, did not agree with the position of Rajma, maintaining that such a child being a trefa could not possibly survive to bar mitzvah when the question of tefillin would be relevant. Therefore, Rebbe therefore considered Polimo's question heretical as Polimo was over overtly rejecting the words of Chazal of trefa. So not he was angry because he was saying, don't you know the laws of trefa? This is the trefa. And, you, and you're going against the words of Chazal, designating this child as a trefa. That's how he, again, tries to fit it into the Gemara. Okay, so then there are other interpretations, but uh, we have enough for now. Yes. Jimmy, you good? Huh? You good? Okay. Um, Feel better now? No. <laughs> um, what about you, Shelly? I'm oh, fine. Good. By the way, even about uh, uh, opinion of Ben, Trev is also relevant because if a child's born that's not going to live for 30 days, there's no, meaning that's why we do the opinion of Ben after 30 days, to make sure that there's no um, defects in the child, that it won't, as if it doesn't survive. 30 days, then it's also, there's no obligation to put in a band. If a child's a trefa, if we know it's a trefa, also there's no, could be no obligation. So, If you, if the baby or the conjoined twins die before 30 days, if the mother gets pregnant with the second and has a vaginal delivery, there's still no pidona ben, or there is a pidona ben? If, if the first one was a vaginal delivery, the first one, but was a vaginal delivery, yes, there's still no pidona ben. Once there was any, even a miscarriage, even there's a, no more pidona no ben. Because um, the Torah says peterechem, which the okay. understanding is the opening of the womb. So that child, the only one that's obligated to be is the child that opens the womb. That's why if you have a male after a female, there's also no obligation to be for the same reason. But interesting point they bring up, because the Nishman Avram, um, I recall, says that in this case, he says this is all theoretical, the question of Pidyan Ben today, because all conjoined twins are cesareans. C-section. Right. So therefore... So the the we definitely do a lot of petering. So the question is is only a a <laughs> theoretical question today, um, as far as Pinyana Ben is concerned, because because uh, again it's the C-section right. material. So he does right. point that out. Interestingly enough. Okay, so let's move on down the list. Um, this is where it gets even more exciting. Well, uh, number three is just the question of minion. The count is two people one. So it'd be very good for shuls that are struggling with a minion to uh, look at try to get some conjoined twins. Very bad for the twins. Okay, so now marriage gets kind of in, we, I, I, interesting. Inheritance we really address to a subject 
to some extent. Um, I just want to discuss marriage. Here's where it gets kind of uh, interesting um, uh, in the case of marriage because there's a lot of discussion what the halacha is, and it's in some cases it's actually practical discussion. We're talking about marriage. Wake up, sex. I'm on this side too. So good stuff. Um, so, the, so the question becomes like this: There's a few issues here relevant to marriage. One is um, if this is the first question again. Rabbis, like I said, have a lot of time on their hands. So if there's one set of genitalia, so let's say you have a, a female conjoined set of conjoined twins, and they're sharing um, the, everything. They have two heads, but they're sharing everything else. So there's one set of genitalia. So, so the question is, if I marry one of them, which again, we're assuming, let's say, they're two people, on this assumption. So I married one of them. I proposed to one of them, to one of the heads. Now, um, the problem is they're sharing, sharing gen- if, let's say, now someone else marries the other head, the other twin, so every time they're having relations, marital relations, they're perf- it's adultery, because the, there's one set of genitalia. Right. So, you hear the problem? It sounds like a terrible problem. <laughs> adultery is a terrible that sounds like maybe a solution, yeah. No, that's not Great a solution. That's going to be too. a bigger problem. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, as long so as the right <laughs> side is... You hear the question? The right side. You hear the question? Like is it adultery? Forget about it. Okay, so... Keep it simple. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, forget the principle on that one. But hopefully um, the left edge... As a matter of fact, there's a tshuva. So again, do you understand the problem here? That's one potential problem. Um, if they're sharing one genitalia, so now, and there's two husbands, two, and with the conjoined twins, so then each one potentially has, um, I mean, this is, we're laughing about this, but this is practically, this. there's many cases that exist today in America. There's whole documentaries, and you can look it up, fascinating stuff. Um, there was actually a set of conjoined twins, women who did, one had a, one got married, the other one didn't agree. And you can look up the fascinating stuff. Didn't and, agree. And didn't agree that she should get married, because... Like uh. she and she actually ended up dying after the marriage. After the other one didn't listen to her, got married, and the other one ended up dying um, because of uh, I guess loneliness. You know, she had husband broken half heart. Right, and uh, <laughs> and um, and then the other one ended up dying because this, she had this part attached to her, which was so. There's a lot of it's it's practical. It's not you know we're, we're talking. It sounds crazy and theoretical, but it's it's. I would think it a might be practical in case we actually two separate sets of genitalia. Oh, so we're going to get there. Yeah, so it's actually, that's, um, I saw that uh, there's a tshuva from Yaakov Reich, I believe his name is. Um, he discusses a case where he says, even if there's two sets of genitalia, he discusses, he says, there's a problem, I think he might be talking about when you have, he's talking about the male here. So you have a male conjoined twins, so he's concerned with that if one gets married, it's, but it's a very slippery slope, potential for adultery, because... You know, the other one might join in and whatever. Right. So that's uh, so he discusses that that in itself. So even for males, he's basically saying it's a problem of marriage um, because of this concern. So that's one issue. Issue number two is um, is there's uh, a rabbinic prohibition of having a threesome, uh, meaning you're according to Allah, you're no, never allowed to, for sneered reasons, have relations when there's another adult in the room. So the problem is obviously you're always going to have that here. You're potentially always having a threesome, and, and right. so that that is a rabbinical issue, not as serious as adultery, but obviously, um, obviously within that same question, um, there's a 
there's going to be, I mean, it, within marriage, the question is also paternity, obviously, when you're dealing with conjoined twins. Again, if they're two separate people or one, they're sharing, sharing genitalia. Who's the father? Who's the mother? Um, so mm-hmm. that could also, obviously, be a very, a very important question. Each paternity wants question. to marry a different chick. Yeah, yeah, so we discussed that. Well, you missed that. If there are two separate uh, sets of genitalia and with one female conjoined twins, one gets pregnant, uh, the other one would experience the hormonal changes. I mean, it'd be pretty, in- I mean, really, it'd be pretty interesting because the hormones presumably could travel between the two sets of conjoined twins. That'd be an interesting movie. <laughs> yes, all of this would make a pretty interesting movie. <laughs> We're, having you can a, do the um, We're having a bad day. Um, another point, number three, is question of really, I guess, marrying two sisters. If you, if they're one person, well, if they're one person, not an issue, but if they're two separate people, you have two set of female conjoined twins, someone marries them. So what's the question? Help me out here. Um, two uh, dowries. If you marry both, I guess if you... Two rings, two... No, no, I'm saying there's a prohibition in the Torah of marrying two sisters. Um, one mm-hmm. man can't marry two, two sisters, even though technically polygamy is allowed in the Torah. They can't marry two sisters, even after the death of one, by the way. Allah is even after, let's say, his wife dies, he can't marry his wife's sister. Well, are conjoined twins considered sisters? That's the one you can marry the second sister. Are conjoined twins considered sisters? Why not? What do you mean? Well, I mean, it's kind of a special case. It's sort of a special case. They're sisters, and no one's going to lie. They're genetically sisters. The question is, are they two people or one? Where Again, we're assuming on the concept of two people. Right. I'm saying that there's sisters. I don't understand why they wouldn't be considered sisters. Um, so, I just consider so, I, so what? Tell me out here with the once. two sisters. What? Um, if they're one person, you can only marry them once. Right. If they're one person, then there's only one marriage. But again, if they're two, um, I guess the question would be: Let's say they both you're marrying them as a whole, which would make sense. So then, and you're having relations with both of them. No, uh, uh, no, 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 I'll tell you what, the, the case is obvious. Again, if they share the same genitalia, they're two people, so even if, well, I guess if you'd marry both of them, we're having related, meaning, so that's, that's where I'm mistaking it, I'm trying to be, say it in clean language, the Torah, marrying, it's not only marrying two sisters, I believe it's even having relations. So it means there's a biblical prohibition to have relations with your wife's sister, not only marriage. So the problem is here, if you marry this girl, Head A, if you propose to head A, and you're having relations, they share the same one set of genitalia. So every time you have relations, you're having you're sex having sex with the sister too. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem. Okay, instead. And you don't yeah. realize you're having double pleasure. Nobody told Jacob. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, that relates back to Ron's like point of before. I mean, did they keep the Torah? Not even yeah. further than what if the other woman really hates that guy, and that's considered rape. You mm-hmm. know. Like so I mean that's that's a major problem. But oh. yes. is there such exceptions? I'm just not sure if they prove a rule. What if one? No, there is questions. No, but saying yes, it's the question. Yeah. Posing the question. I mean, the, the questions right. are posed. Yeah, no, As a matter of fact, someone I saw once who he says you can't even marry one of them in that case because since you can't consummate the there's a halacha the Gemara discusses. Let's say you you marry someone who there's no way to consummate the marriage physically. Um, or halachically, you can't consummate for whatever reason, technical problems, whatever it is. So then the valid, the marriage is an invalid marriage, halachically speaking, mm-hmm. if the marriage can't be consummated. So he's saying in this case, because you can't have relations, 
Um, you can't consummate it. Therefore, the marriage is meaning because of the original. He's going on the tzlius issue. Halachically, you're not allowed to have relations with her because there's two people in the room. So therefore, the, mal- the marriage and is an invalid marriage. Tzniyas. It's not just tzniyas. Yeah. No, it's also you, you can't have sex with your sister. Yeah, it's not but just he does. I'm just saying. And this is interesting. He just mentioned the other. Aspect. I understand, yeah, but having yes. one is having an orgasm. Two conjoined twins getting married once a female. Yeah, it's not looking good at all. What if, okay. what if the conjoined twins are brother sister? No, it can't be. The conjoined twins are only male, male, female, female. Oh, they can't because they're identical on. twins. They're obviously formed from the same. Well, they, have two, they have one head but two bodies. Yeah, but I'm saying they're only they're See, only conjoined twins. They're always one embryo. start embryo, so they're always going to be male, female. male, female, female. Okay, now so let's let me finish here. So um, the last thing, or two, maybe two last things, is criminality, um, which is there's a lot there's discussion of. Um, First of all, if Who's one commits a crime, crime, if one commits a crime, so then how do you, first of all, you can't punish one, let's say it's a capital crime, can't execute one because you're killing two people, an innocent person for the crime of his the crime. twin. How do you decide who committed no, the crime? No, I'm saying the right side committed the crime, whatever it is, this guy killed him. this side, the, the right, uh, you know, person but A. Schlummer, they share a nervous system, so it can't be only the right side. Yeah. Okay, so you're right. All this is beyond the assumption that there are two people. Right. Otherwise, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, you're right, most of these questions wouldn't be relevant, according to Shlomo Melech, if they share a central mm-hmm. nervous um, The other question is, right, so you can't kill one, punish one, because then you're punishing an innocent person, too. That would be a problem. The other thing is, they discuss um, what happens if I murder one. Um, now, the other one was a ghost, technically, because he's going to die. Without this one living, do I get punished for the murder of the second one? didn't kill him, I only killed this side, but, yeah. but now the other one's going to die just because he's a parasitic attachment, which some halachically might be considered a ghostess, we'll get into that next week, because he's going to die anyway, so now let's say, or I kill that one who's going to die. You understand the issue, so then the question becomes, if you kill a ghostess, halachically speaking, you're exempt, that's not a considered a, a capital murder. So that, that gets into be. that whole question. That's not the right, I would not apply that concept for ghostess in that case. Because you have, you have the issue of you know if you kill person A, then you know directly that you will be affecting person B. Yes, but affecting before. doesn't mean murder. Affecting yeah. doesn't mean killing. It's a causation. It goes back to what we discussed does, last week. I, I think people know. I'm saying like it's like one. we discussed last week when Eddie was here, which you didn't like, um, which was causation or or uh, what was the word we used? You're not actually killing someone. You're or you're causing an act based on. No, we were talking right, about uh, when you pull the trigger on a gun, right, right, you're yeah, not exactly. the bullet. Yes, so I'm saying, so that's just the same application which you didn't like two weeks ago. So right, it's, I still it's don't right. like. yeah. yeah. How about I'm the falling off a building that. and catching him on your sword? Isn't the kid falling off a building? Yeah, but that's not a ghost. Yeah. No, he's not. He's going to die, but he's not. there's nothing physically in his body that's causing that. I think here that. you immediately would be... But like over there, you're, sorry, you're taking that. away three seconds of f- full life. Those three seconds, he's still very much alive. Not to life. Not goes yeah. I think you would be a, you would get two capital punishment, two capital murders there. Okay, so he, this is true, but doesn't seem to agree with that. But their heads. Yeah. Suppose the conjoined twin shoots one head. Is it murder or is it suicide? It's <laughs> a great question. <laughs> one shoots the other. A good question. Uh, I'm happy you woke up. Out. Great question. Then the last murder one. So suicide. separation, um, and maybe we'll address the board.
to the MP3 project from the Jewish Ethics Institute. For a complete selection of our lectures, please visit our website at j-ethics.org. Shalom. Shalom.